0: Good morning. I'm Trevor Bond. I've been hanging around the church here for about 24 years now. Woo! And uh, I'm pleased to be able to bring to you part of our series, which is from Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. And we come to verse 6 today, which is this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled." Now, those of us that are old enough to remember will recall the summer of 1976, when it was dry from April through till late September. That was quite a year. And in the middle of that, I went with uh, a few other colleagues on a trek through the Brecon beacons And the most important thing to us was being able to find water, to be able to refill our water bottles. We were ready to thirst just every step of the way, and we uh, were desperate to get to water in order to refill our bottles. God loves those who hunger and thirst in that kind of way for righteousness. And you might think, well, That's a totally unattainable target. How can I be righteous in the sight of a holy, righteous God who is perfect in every way? Well, now, we'll see as we look at these things how that works out. Righteousness is mentioned over 500 times in the Scriptures, and uh, it is important to God. So if it's important to God... It ought to be important to us. We're going to look at righteousness from two angles. First of all, imputed righteousness. And I'll explain what that means in a moment. First of all, I'd like us to do a little practical experiment. You'll see the verse from 2 Corinthians 5.21 come up on the screen, which says this, God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that we're, we're gonna leave that verse up for one minute and give you the opportunity to look at that verse, see what it says, and then reflect back. Perhaps in the locations, that you'll pause it just to hear the uh, replies that we get. So let's do that for 60 seconds. Starting from now. Now I'm going to ask those in the studio with me here to respond and say, what have you got out of that verse? Well, i sorry, I wasn't crying. And what struck me is that it's in him that we might become righteous. And we need to dwell in him. It's in him we become righteous. We need to dwell in him. Okay. Anyone else? Sin for us. He became sin, sin for, for us. us. Sin and how awful that is, And for us. Great. See, he became sin for us. Another wonderful thing. In fact, let's go now and have a look at uh, a, a series of four slides that just tell us the basis of the gospel. And it may be that you've never heard this before. And today is a day when you're going to hear something that could make a difference to the rest of your life. In the beginning, God, before anything else came to be, God was there. And he had a heart full of love that he was going to express in the creation. And man then was created. And he had a relationship with God that was unbroken. He could walk with, uh, with God in the cool of the day in the garden. There was that relationship. But man chose to go his own way. And instead of that relationship, sin got in the way. As uh, Isaiah 49 verse two says, sin has caused a barrier for us to God. And in that way, uh, there was, the relationship was broken. But God showed his love for us in sending Jesus to take sin upon himself, to become sin for us, in order that through him, he might restore the relationship we have with God. Now, that is the fundamental gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that we can have relationship with him through Jesus. Now, I mentioned imputed righteousness. What is that? That is when the righteousness of Jesus is given to us as a free gift. It becomes our property. It becomes us. It becomes integrated with who we are. We become, in God's sight, the righteousness of Jesus. As God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Now I know as I've been praying and studying on this one that there are some that struggle with this, they feel a failure, they feel inadequate, feel like it's not a a picture of their own life. But this is what God says to you, I have imputed to you, I have given to you at no cost to yourself, the righteousness of Jesus. I want you to stand in that righteousness and to know that righteousness. Now that is such an encouraging thing. From that point of being righteous, we can stand before God and not feel we have to shy away. What happened to Adam and Eve in the garden as soon as they sinned? They ran away, they tried to hide, but God wants us to be open before him wants us to come into his presence knowing that he loves us and he accepts us. As it was prophesied to Adam at the time, blood would have to be spilt in order that his uh, sin would be carried away, that his sin would be dealt with. And that came in Jesus. In Romans 1:17, it says, In the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. God is calling us to believe him, to trust in him, and to surrender entirely to him. And then he gives us that gift of righteousness that we could not earn by any other means. We are now citizens of heaven. The deal is done, and we have our place with him, born again by the Spirit of God. We possess the rights of children. And I want us to to really rejoice in that fact that we have been given the rights of children of God to come into his presence and to be with him. That has been imputed to us. That's a, also a, an accounting term where some, a value of one thing is imputed to another that hasn't actually earned that money, it's been given to it. In that way, God has imputed to us the gift of righteousness. Let's just take that in. Thank you, Father, that you have given to us a righteousness that we haven't had to earn, but you've given it to us as we believe and trust in you. Thank you, Lord. But there is a second aspect of righteousness I'd like us to look at, and that is the righteousness involved in living a righteous life. There is a temptation that uh, the enemy will bring to us that we should say, well, I'm fully righteous, so uh, I can go and do whatever I like. But no, God has called us by righteousness into a life of righteousness. Have you ever played the game Ludo? You get your four pieces, and they're they're in the home. And before they can get out onto the board, you've got to throw a six. And frustratingly, you sit there, throwing fives and fours and twos, whilst other people are proceeding round the board. But when you throw a six, you can bring in your first piece. And from then on, you're in the game. What God did when he imputed righteousness to us was he brought us into the game. It's not the end of it, it's the beginning of it. The gift of righteousness is the beginning of a righteous life. We're going to look at Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 and just see what it says there. It says, It is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, do you see the process in this one? It starts off with us being saved, And that not because of our own merit, but it leads us through to a point of purpose in life. God has prepared for us good works for us to do. That's a real purpose in life. God will show to us the things that we should be doing in order that we can bring joy and glory to his name. In Ephesians 1, verse 10, it says that uh, God is bringing everything under the rulership of Jesus. And as we live a life with him as Lord over everything, then we start to do that. We bring in the uh, glory of Jesus on earth. As Jesus said in his prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, this is all very well, but uh, I have a tendency to sin, and I think we'd all say the same. So, here we are, standing righteous before God, but then we go out and we get involved in things that are not godly and things that are not right. We feel that tendency towards sin, and there is something in us. Our sinful nature, our flesh, as it's sometimes called in the Scriptures, these are the things that pull us away from living a godly and a pure life. But God has made a way for us to get out of that melee, and Romans 8 and Galatians 5 tell us how to do that. The trick of winning against sin has been shown to us in the Scriptures. Let's read Romans 8 and a couple of verses there. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you the way in which we can have victory over sin is by living in the realm of the Spirit. A similar thought is expressed in Galatians 5, and starting from verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of Of the sinful nature or of the flesh. And then it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we live by the Spirit then the fruit will happen naturally. We planted an apple tree in our front garden and uh, it should have three varieties of apple growing on the same stem. Wonderful trick, but only one of them really works. (laughs) But we live in hopes that one day the the others will prosper. We keep them pruned and, and things and they continue to grow, but the fruit will come in its own time. The tree is planted in good soil, it has plenty of water, and we allow, in good time, the fruit to develop. In our lives, we can become frustrated with ourselves for the inadequacies and the shortcomings that we find. But God says, live in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, and you will produce this fruit. That's God's promise to you, for you to take hold of and believe. So we are God's children. That is the starting point. But we're also called to live righteously, which is possible only by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine this. Uh, Yesterday, I was out in the garden, and if I'd had my phone in my pocket and had fallen out into the soil and I'm turning over the soil with the, the fork, it could get completely lost. So the phone is lost. In order for it to become effective and useful again, it needs to go through four stages of process. It needs to be found. God has found us by His Holy Spirit. He has put his finger on our lives and said, I want you to be my child. It needs to be cleaned off. Christ did that. He became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. It needs to be charged up. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to charge us up to enable us to do the work that he's called us to. And then it needs to be used to produce good works. There's so much that you can do on a phone, so much that God can do with your life, if you're available to him. So I'm gonna call up the band again now to uh, finish us off in a moment finish us off. <laughs> to stand with us in worship as we, uh, as we finish. But first of all, we thank God for his forgiveness. The fact that we have been made righteous. We express our love to him continually for the way he is opened up the way for us to get close to him and to live a God-pleasing life. And daily we ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit in order that we might live the life that he has already worked out for us. Father, we commit ourselves to you We thank you for what you have done in Jesus, that you have overcome sin in the person of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for anyone that is coming to that for the first time and expressing faith in you and saying, Lord, I want to have that relationship with you. Come and touch their lives now in Jesus' name. And for those who have already experienced that coming to you, we pray the Holy Spirit filling in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, fill each one to overflowing. Pray that over this week, Lord, we would see you working in our lives, causing us to be able to overcome the desires of the flesh and to bring forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit, righteousness in daily living. To you be all the glory, Lord. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.